Susan. Hey. Are you bored right now? No. No? No. Why not? Are you bored? <laughs> We've been sitting in this garage for two minutes and I'm already bored. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm not bored right now. <laughs> not yet, at least. No. Not yet. It might get boring here in a minute. Actually, I was looking over my notes for this episode and I was like, whoa, this is good stuff. Do you get bored easily? Do I? Yeah. Everybody gets bored really easily nowadays. That's the whole premise of like this series. I'm just making sure people are listening. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I got bored and forgot during that last one. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So why don't to start, if you want, <laughs> can you recap us? Like, what do you remember from the last two episodes? That's hard to remember. That's hard to remember. That was like a long time ago. Well, what do you remember? Nothing. I don't remember Nothing. anything these days. Wow. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> There's no. just so much. Well, um, I'm thinking about statistics. Okay thinking about those i'm thinking about oh too many choices like we talked about that like choice, choice paralysis. paralysis yeah um oh wait what do you call it the monster the um the boredom monster the boredom monster i think about the boredom monster um i think i guess just feeling overwhelmed by like like i mean i was joking with you but you know like it is impossible to not get bored with things and especially in the age of technology like Boredom is kind of now bred because like we have so many abilities to distract ourselves. And I mean, we talked a lot about distraction, but just the ability to be engaged in something fully is not a thing anymore. Yeah. So um, whether that's a movie or a conversation or anything like that, I think that's the thing that as we, as we've talked about, it, it's like being present makes me the saddest out of all of this is like actually being able to be present with people and your own thoughts and anything really is just a thing of the past because we've gotten yeah. so far away from knowing how to do that. Yeah. But um, those are the things that like just on the spot stick out to me the most, like the scary statistics of how much people are distracted and the monster. <laughs> yeah. The border monster. I think that, I think you did a good job. Okay. I, think, I got yeah. nervous. So, you know, what stuck out to you? Okay. Um, for our listeners, that could be more, that could be less. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be nothing. Maybe you didn't even listen to the first couple episodes. And I really want to encourage go back because this is the application episode. Episodes, yeah. I should say. Uh, this is episode three uh, of four. And both of these uh, are application episodes because the first two episodes was a ton of content and just information that we just dumped on the listeners. And uh, the biggest feedback that I've heard from those first couple ones is like, okay, like I'm ready. What do we do? What do, we do with all this information? Because it is kind of like overwhelming uh, to hear everything and to know the statistics of like what distraction does to us and what boredom does to us. And uh, so, yeah, we're we're breaking this up into two episodes of application because it's rich and full and there's a lot there and I also want to take kind of the, the time that's necessary mm -hmm. uh, to allow us to um, apply this well. And to not feel hopeless. Like, yeah. You know, it's one of those things, as we always say in scripture, talking about there's nothing new under the sun. I think 
when we're living our own experiences, it's hard not to be like, oh, no one in history has ever lived like this. This is such a horrible problem. Problems look different. Yeah. But the gospel is still true, and there's still hope in the midst of whatever circumstance the Lord has brought us to yeah. in our lives, yeah. in our specific time in life. So, yeah, I think this is like the so what episode. Yeah. So what do we do with this? So John, help us out. What do we do? Yeah, can can I geek out with you for a minute? Sure. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my uh, youth leader version of a theologian hat. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> I w- I want to like dive into some like theological like dilemmas in okay. scripture. Cool. So uh, I mean, you went to seminary. Yeah. When uh, you said nerd out, I was thinking like science. Science. So. No, we we did the science nerding <laughs> in, in the last Earlier. episode. So I'm a I'm a full blown nerd <laughs> in my different realms. Uh, we're gonna put on like the theological hat today. Sounds today good. we're gonna talk about the science and scripture part of application. Uh, but for a moment, I want to like take the the scripture side of things. That sounds great. Okay. So in the dilemma of the Old Testament. Uh, you're talking about the Israelites. Uh, they have, you know, they have followed God. They've followed Yahweh into um, the promise, uh, the promise of the promised land. And they're, they're taken out of slavery, out of Egypt, and they've walked the wilderness. And they're, they're put in Canaan, right? Or kind of the central location of the ancient world. So this is like a huge, like 30,000 foot overfly of a lot of the Old Testament. So they're, they're right in the center of the ancient world mm-hmm. a, in Canaan. Um, and God wanted them there in, in, these, in this particular place because it was kind of a crossroads for a lot of how the world uh, um, functioned, whether it was trades, like you're trading between places, or whether you're going from one place to another, you're going to have to cross through this land. And so God... Uh, wanted to deliver his people into this land because he wanted them centrally located to the rest of the world so that everybody came across uh, the Israelites and could come across image bearers and people who are followers of Yahweh. Why, why would God the Father or Yahweh want that? Are you asking? Or is That's that kind of rhetorical. Okay. <laughs> It's kind of rhetorical, <laughs> but I want to leave space in case you want to answer sure. that. No. Uh, do you want to tackle that? Or do you want me to keep going? You keep going. I mean, I've got my own thoughts, but I like where you're going. Okay. So God placed them there, and he, he wanted them to, to be a mirror or an image bearer of who he is to the world. And so if everybody is crossing paths through that land, that means they're crossing paths with God followers, Yahweh followers, um, and image bearers. So that people could come encounter and have a relationship with them and go out of, out of there seeing the goodness and, and good character and love and joy that God is so that they would want a relationship with God as well. So they were kind of this, this bridge gap in between who God is and who humanity is and God's people were supposed to be kind of the, the catalyst that brought them to closer to God and a, and, and a relationship with God. What we find out with scripture uh, is that they, they fall away from that mm-hmm. um, uh, several times, actually. Uh, but if you want to just like, yeah, <laughs> continually. What had happened uh, during that time is when the Israelites arrived on site, they saw all their neighbors, all these people that were crossing their paths, and instead of bearing the image of God, they instead 
became distracted and wanted to mm. bear the image of their neighbors because they what they saw in their neighbors is is what they defined as good. And they said, mm. I want a kingship or a rulership like that land or that king or that place or that. And so they lost focus on what their their job was supposed to be as God's people, uh, was to point people to God and to restore people into a relationship with God. But instead, they got caught up in, in not looking to God, but looking at their neighbors, and they flipped the whole thing over. And thus, the, the issue of sin perpetually kept going and going and going and going until we arrive at Jesus, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that was... You know, Jesus was the answer to that issue, um, and we can get into the gospel in a little bit, uh, but that, that was the, uh, a huge line in scripture that we should see and we should recognize that the people of God became distracted mm-hmm. and became attracted to the ways of the world, and this is our issue and our dilemma, and that's really kind of what this series is all about, is to realign ourselves in the in the right direction and, and realign with what God has in store for us and not let us uh, get so distracted by the ways of the world but stay focused on the plan that God has in store for us So we've arrived and we've all recognized in the past couple of episodes that this is a huge issue. Distraction, whether you look at scripture uh, for that one example or you look at the science and the statistics, distraction is a huge problem for us. Mm-hmm. As you said already, what do we do with this? Uh, and I've sat down and I've, I've, I've done quite a bit of research and I've tried to summarize and give four helpful things. Uh, of what we can do to progress further and staying better focused on the right things. Mm. Um, we don't have an issue with focus. We have an issue with focusing on the right thing. Mm. Uh, I have four things. We're going to do two in this episode and two in the next episode. So if awesome. we end too early and you're like, what? I'm going to be <laughs> super disappointed. Uh, you'll just have to wait for the next episode. That's okay. It'll come out eventually. To start things off, uh, there was this scientist who studied, um, you know, how does attention work? How, how does um, our attention, like how do I, you know, focus on something? How does it work? And he started off, and I think we've mentioned this in one of the previous episodes, is that no matter what it is or how long it is, the moment we give focus to something, uh, whether that's a, a, a wall or whether that's a child or whether that's driving my car, in that moment, you are telling your brain, this is the most important thing in the world right now. Everything else needs to be shut out, and I'm gonna, my brain is going to focus on this thing because you have told it that this is the most important thing in the world. So you have to think ab- about that every single day, like how often we do that in a, any given day. How often do you focus on something, Susan? I have so many questions I want to ask. Like, what is, like, how do you define focus? Because when you were saying that, I was thinking, um, as a mom of little kids, I feel like my attention is so divided and so 
that's probably a whole nother <laughs> podcast. But um, I feel like I'm having to focus on like thousands of things in a in a day, like yeah. continually. But again, maybe I'm maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying. Like really, actually focusing. But with like, I was thinking about this <laughs> this morning when I was like trying to get breakfast and get people out the door to school and make sure Lydia was fed. I was like, I am like spending plates here. It's like someone needs formula. Someone needs their lunch packed. Someone needs syrup not all over their body so we need a napkin you know and so it's like I'm focusing on so many different things all at once which means I'm not doing any of them well but um I would say I focus on a lot of things during yeah. the day yeah in in the way you're describing like yeah. everything yeah, yeah, else yeah. is dead to me besides this one need yeah and so I'm going to focus on it and, and I want to say that that's not necessarily a bad thing it, the the first key here is to become aware of that. Like, right. become aware that whatever you're giving your attention to, your brain is saying this is the most important thing, mm-hmm. uh, despite what you were doing right before that or what you're getting ready to do. Whatever you have given your attention in that given moment, um, whether it's a child or your phone or a car or whatever it is, your brain says this is super super important. And that, that's why, like, I took that information and I said, like, one of the, and some other research done by some psychologists is we need to first take a moment to breathe and to pause and think, like, what am I giving my attention to? Uh, both in uh, looking back, like, what have I been giving my attention to? Where, what does my schedule look like? When... Uh, am I looking at my child when I'm helping them or am I looking somewhere else um, and trying to do that at the same time? Then you have split <laughs> focus, okay? And what does that say to your child? Because uh, from a child's perspective, they're looking at where you're looking. Right. Uh, and if you're not looking back at them, they see whatever you're looking at as more important. Can I ask a question? Yeah. So you said that your brain when you focus on something, your brain is telling you that's the most important thing. What does that actually mean? Like, like from a biological standpoint, like is your brain actually like shutting out other things so you can focus? Like, um, does that make, does that question make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I didn't get that uh, deep into the details uh, of the research, <sighs> uh, <fine>. but <laughs> from, from what I read and what I found is that they uh, are saying that in order for your brain, for you to survive to focus on and to focus on something, it has to shut some everything else gotcha. out for just even just a millisecond. Sure. No, that um, makes a lot it, of sense. It's, it's down to a level to where we don't even think about it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So uh, everything else, it, it doesn't necessarily 100% block it out. It just, it, it bumps it up in the priority mm-hmm. level, if that makes any sense. Sure. So yeah, it doesn't get rid of things or shut it out or make it black. It just says, all right, this is number one. Mm-hmm. Um, just in a quick second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does that, does that help? Totally. Yeah. So that's why um, I've said number one uh, thing that we need to do and we need in order to become better um, at not becoming distracted from the wrong things and begin focusing better on the right things. First thing that we have to do, uh, this author uh, spoke to and also Dan Siegel who has studied adolescent brains. Uh, so I'm kind of like combining uh, their work um, neurologically and also just scientifically in general. They've studied people who try to focus on things. Is that we just need to stop and become more mentally aware of what's going on around us. Uh, And in today's society, 
hard. How hard is that? It's so hard. Yeah, that's not an easy thing to do because we always have opportunities to g- engage in something, like mm-hmm. always. Uh, there is never a, a moment in time where we don't have the opportunity to engage in something. Right. So you have to actively engage with the idea of your thought process mm-hmm. more than we've ever had before. That's hard. Yeah, because <laughs> like, like t- even like taking a walk, where you can do some deep thinking and, and the process of that. We have headphones and we can listen to music or podcast or maybe you're walking right now listening to this podcast <laughs> and we're totally distracting you from your own <laughs> thoughts. We don't have to go into that. <laughs> but it, it's really hard to yeah. think and process and take the time and really think about what has distracted you in your past? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe journaling, like why journaling is such a big thing and a big deal mm-hmm. for people. Uh, mindfulness is something Dan Siegel says. Like mindfulness is, a, is not something that you inherit. It's something you practice, and it's a habit that you develop over time. And, it, and it's key, as he says, to, to really develop that in the adolescent years. It and is that's hard. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like in, if you want a healthy teenager – Help them be mindful of others. What's like that look like? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's a whole other how-to. Yeah, no, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. Like what is a mindful teenager or a mindful adult look like, Susan? I mean, someone who can think beyond themselves and have empathy. Like, I think being empathetic is so... Uh, I'm Again, I'm dealing with this with my own children, and I'm realizing, like, Jack is just at the point to really be like, hey, someone, you see a need... And you could let it go by or because you've become aware of it, you can step into that place. And so like being mindful that there's a world outside of you and your needs is really hard. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm wondering how to teach that in a way. Like I feel like that was modeled really well at my house growing up, but I don't remember how it it was just such in the fabric of who my parents are that like, it wasn't a sit down like, this is how you think of others, you know? It was yeah. just that they modeled it so well. And I'm a I'm the youngest, and so it's like my sister was four years older than me, and so it's like that was always modeled from parent to child. And so that yeah. that's I guess that's the thing why I struggle with that and thinking of passing it on of like how do you how do you teach that? Um, because we're not intrinsically wired to think of someone else. Right. Yeah. Um our self uh, thinking about myself is always the most easy thing to harness, you know, like yeah. I can always think of the things that I'm not getting or having a pity party or, you know, what I want. Um, and so I think, I mean, I would say, I think modeling it has yeah. been for me the most like impactful yeah. thing. What do you think? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you Again, you're spot on. I think and most of like raising children and, and working with adolescents is a modeling. And that modeling looks very different mm-hmm. um, in how you do it with like little children and how you do it with teenagers. Uh, teenagers are, are much more capable. Uh, I think we become more frustrated when teenagers don't get it. Uh, but we have to remember uh, they haven't fully develop that part of their brain yet. And it, it is a key time while their brain is developing, uh, practicing um, those moments of mindfulness, becoming aware of their surroundings and other people's situations um, and knowing that your lens of life is just one lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
a, for a teenager, and as if you've spent any time with teenagers, they are very narrow-minded. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. It is they just live with their blinders up. That's just how, because they don't have the capacity yet uh, to, like, see their surroundings. And that's why what we do in youth ministry is um, we create exposure uh, half the time. Uh, some of it is just like, hey, I want you, like, we go on a mission trip. I want you to see that the world um, is broken in different ways. Mm-hmm. I also want you to see the world as valuable in other cultures. Mm-hmm. And I want you to feel called to something. And what's hard about youth ministry as opposed to, like, later college ministry or adult ministry is they are still in the thought process and the the mindfulness process when they leave Mm. and go to college or or go work after college, whatever they do after high school. Uh, And that's frustrating as youth workers and as parents being like, I want you to fully grasp it here and now. (laughs) Yeah. Like as, you, <laughs> as you leave, I want you to understand what it's like uh, to be somebody else and to be mindful, but also for you to be aware of who you are. That, that's the other half of mm. it is yes. like, teenagers don't fully see them for who they are. Mm. Um, they see themselves as way too valuable, while also the other side of it as invaluable. That's such a good point. And, and they're always going back and forth between those two things. And so we come back to teaching the habit of being mindful as Dan Siegel would say I just say think like Mm -hmm. teach your child teach yourself to be a good thinker Mm. like process moments and experiences and conversations give time for those things to happen don't just jump from one thing to the next we're really bad at this because we're super busy Mm -hmm. like super super busy and you know in some ways you know, you can be mad at me, but thank God for this pandemic. <laughs> I was it, just so it's caused us to slow down. And people, what I've noticed, you know, still doing youth ministry throughout all this, it's looked different, is I've noticed that mm. teenagers are much more mindful in these past six months than they've ever been in the you know, 10 plus years that I've done youth ministry. Mm-hmm. It's unreal. And it's because we've been given the time and they've been given the time to be a little more mindful and think and process. Some of them are scared. They're like, "Whoa, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't like who I am. Mm-hmm. I thought I was so and so." Like that's wh- when I became a Christian. That was a huge realization. Like I don't like who I am, and that's you know part of becoming a Christian is we are becoming more of who we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But in the process of that, we're revealed our sinful self, mm-hmm. and we have to think about that and what we're being saved from, and what Jesus is saving us to. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things. So this is a, a huge piece of this, and but thinking it's it's got to start there. I mm-hmm. thoroughly, honestly believe that giving good time to think it through, to process, to pray through it is really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to kickstart all the stuff like you actually go do. Mm-hmm. Okay, we don't like to sit and think because we we're, we're Americans and we want to just like. You know, go do it and, and get it done. And sometimes our thoughts are uncomfortable. Like you said, totally. like you, it's revealing of your heart. It's revealing of maybe stuff you don't want to really think about and you have to confront it, which is actually a really healthy, good thing. <laughs> it's just hard to want to do that sometimes. So the only other thing I was going to say, and I'm saying this to myself, but in case anyone else is um, in the same train, as I think about uh, modeling this for children, um, I think about 
how easy it is to be frustrated when someone doesn't get it and like just really I don't know I guess that when you were talking I was just thinking like how do I make sure I'm not using shame to motivate you know someone to be mindful of like well you don't even think about your brother you know like something like that of being mindful myself in how I shepherd my children not to like browbeat them into thinking of someone else but that, yeah. like that is actually a really delicate balance to not bring shame into the equation because it's like this is something really hard that I have to work on how to show my children how to do that for each other and not doing it out of a frustration but doing out of doing it out of a place of like if I'm intentional about teaching them this I'm not going to be caught off guard in a moment where they're frustrating me you know where it's like oh you're not thinking about anybody else but yourself it's like if we can stop and be like hey like let's think about this that that helps me kind of think through that differently of as we model as we shepherd that there's actually a really healthy and helpful way to do that instead of the like frustration shame train yeah kind of thought pattern of it but anyways that just popped in my head so yeah i was just thinking that's hard as a parent yeah to do that well yeah so we got to be yeah. Even mindful about how we're mindful. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's it's a whole rewiring of the brain. And one one thing they talk about is why the thought process is so important is uh, there's the, the big word that we've thrown out there a few times is uh, our we have neuroplasticity um, in our brain, meaning our brains are plastic and they're multiple and they're trainable. And we never grow out of that. Mm. Um, the adolescent stage, it's a very multiple stage, meaning like their brain is a little bit warmer. And when pla- <laughs> and, and when plastic's a little bit warmer, it's easier to be molded. Mm-hmm. And as we get into adulthood, we feel like we're sealed in that way. And however we are when we turn 25 is the way we'll be forever. In a lot of ways, that's true because we've given into that. Mm. But in other ways, it's true because, yeah, our brain isn't quite quite as plastic as it once was like we don't learn things as quickly like it's harder to start a habit at that time mm-hmm. but it, it what we should learn from this is that we can always learn that habit we can always model that for our kids it may be harder for us uh, but we also have to remember like somebody modeled the way we model to other people like it's something we've inherited over time right and depending on who you surround yourself with adults um mm-hmm. I say this to the parents will dictate like how that's a type of modeling, which will dictate how you model to other kids as well. Mm-hmm. So choosing who you surround yourself with is really, really important. Yeah. And that's why the church is really important. Uh, why being in, in engaged with your brothers and sisters in Christ is really important to growing in your faith, but also living out, um, your life as a Christian, meaning like, who am I supposed to be as I identify myself as a Christian? Mm. And that's why, again, we come back to the pandemic, why it's also hard, um, because right now we're mostly, you know, we've come out of this a little bit, but uh, we're mostly surrounded with our family, and those are the people pouring mostly into our lives. And if you're, you have a healthy family that's really good and awesome, that is great, but sadly, that's not the case for a lot of uh, people and a lot of us. It's like we go home and that <laughs> might be the scariest place for you to pee. And uh, that you're being modeled something worse and tragic. And uh, so we, we have to 
take that into effect. Um, we need to first begin with ourselves before we, we teach our, our children to do it, but not forget, like, just for us to be mindful and to teach our children to be mindful. Um, and the best road, as Susan says, is, is modeling that. And mm-hmm. I think the science backs that up totally. Mm-hmm. Can, can we dive back into sure, scripture? I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, no, <laughs> we didn't derail it at all. I, I want to back up what you've said yeah. with a piece of scripture. Sure. Uh, there's this part in First uh, Samuel, and I, I love this scene. Uh, it's, it's really sad, uh, but I just love imagining this scene. We're in First Samuel, and I'll just jump in. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the, things, the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel. So I want to pause for a moment and, and look at that scene for a second. Uh, you have Samuel, who is uh, like, you know, before we get into the, the, the prophets and the kings, he kind of serves as um, this one, one person uh, between God's people and God, um, Samuel is kind of a stand-in between prophet, leader type person. And Israel is being surrounded by their neighbors, of which we've reached the point in Scripture where they're, they're seeing their neighbors as good, and they're being influenced by their neighbors as opposed to, to influencing others. Mm. And uh, that has their... Sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so their neighbors have influenced them to, to want a king, and that was never part of God's plan for his people. He said, I'm your king. I, I'm, I am your ruler. You don't need a king. Like, I'm good enough for you. Whoever I appoint as your leader, um, that's who I'll appoint, and it's not going to look exactly like the rest of the world does. Instead, take that and model that for the rest of the world. And tragically, they fail in, in this moment. But w- when we look at what Samuel did with this, you know, a godly man, he is the, the leader of these people. And he is a godly man, close with the Lord. Uh, I want to first recognize what he does. And he, um, he, he steps out, and Samuel prayed to the Lord. Um, prayer is a moment to reflect. It's a moment for us to, to slow down and seek the Lord's wisdom and counsel, but also his comfort. And that's exactly what Samuel does. So he's still modeling what a faithful follower of Yahweh is like. So he's like, I've been hurt and I've been harmed. Um, and instead of me back, like backlashing against these people, I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm going to retreat. I'm going to reflect. I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend time. Uh, and so Samuel goes to the Lord, and we pick up uh, there. And, and God responds. And it's a, a little bit surprising uh, as to how God responds. You would think God says, like, no, go back to them and tell them, like, you're good enough. Like, things, things are good. Uh, but God instead says, obey the voice of the people. And all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So God in this moment, when we retreat and reflect and give time to process with God, he, he reassures us. He reassures just like he did with Samuel. Like, it's not you. It's, it's not you. 
at the root of it all, they're disobeying me. Um, and I don't want you to feel like you're less than who I've created you to be. Instead, I'm going to give them what they want, and it's going to end tragically if you keep reading. No spoilers, because hopefully, like, you know how this <laughs> goes. But it ends tragically, but he still says, I, n- I still need you, Samuel, to, to be a mouthpiece for me. I need you to speak on my behalf and warn them when this begins to fail. And Samuel goes on to be this, ma- like, this massive influencer uh, for like the, the people of Israel um, between them and who God is, but also the king that he appoints. And I, that's part of the process of what it takes to, to think. Samuel could have easily stepped back and said, I'm not worthy. I must have failed these people. I'm out. And God encourages him. And there's this other relational dynamic of those of the other people of Israel, the rest of the people of Israel, who have not been thoughtful and taken the, mi- the moment to think about how they've disrupted the relationship between them and Samuel, but also them and God. And they became distracted by the ways of the world and stopped thinking and just started reacting. Like, they're successful. I want to be successful. Let me do what they're doing. Mm. And they just reacted and became these ways and it just kept it spiraled down and down and down and down and down it makes me think of is it is it in the garden where it talks about they traded the truth for a lie and that like as you were saying that i'm like so it's like they didn't intentionally decide to be like disobedient it's like oh this looks really good like those people are successful and that is so hard to fight against when you trade truth for what you think is truth but it's actually not you know like yeah the lie of fill in the blank is better than what god has for me or what i know is right and yeah you're describing like a whole host of people who decide that in the face of when god's like no this is better for you but they decide that they know yeah they know better than god and it becomes damaging yeah yeah and that's hard. Like, I, I want you uh, as a listener to take a moment and just think, like, actually think in that moment. Like, how does this, you know, how do you view um, this moment in Scripture, but also how does that play out in your own life? Like, do you react to, to the moment and just, like, get right into action to respond with how you're feeling in the moment? Or do you take a moment and, like Samuel, he says, like, well, this doesn't seem right. I'm going to step back. I'm going to seek the Lord's counsel and comfort. Um, and allow for him to show show me the way. Uh, and that, that, again, is another reoccurring theme that you find in Scripture, of those who are faithful and those who are not. Obviously, you know, everybody besides Jesus in Scripture is sinful. Um, Samuel is sinful, but he, he's definitely an image of what a sinful, faithful person can look like. So after we've thought about things, um, we jump to the next thing. Um, and they're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done thinking. I'm done just like sitting in my own head, and I'm done praying. I'm done waiting on the Lord. Give me something to do. <laughs> uh, so the next thing I say is we need to, to be better at limiting. Yeah. 
cutting down <laughs> ways of which we can become distracted or become distracted by the wrong things. So let's go back to your schedule uh, and think about how much stuff you have going on in a day mm-hmm. and how many things uh, cross over. Uh, things that you, we've talked about multitasking and task switching. We do that as humans because we feel like we have so much going on. So one of the best things we can do is limit our exposure and limit um, what we're exposed to. And what what does that look like? So Susan, I, if you want to be a little vulnerable, sure. um, as like you never have... <laughs> <laughs> any restraint anyways <laughs> so uh if you're if you're gonna you feel like you need to limit something uh, anything in your life like i need to limit this i need to limit my netflix watching i need mm-hmm. to limit my intake of fried food i need to limit um the the amount of time i stare at the sun i don't know um what is something don't mention <laughs> diet dr pepper because we're not I, I talking th- about that what is something <laughs> you feel like you need to limit in your life Ah, that's so hard. Is this post-COVID or pre-COVID? Because my answers would be different. Like, do you want a situation now? We're always dealing with our current (laughs) self, Susan. So I want you to speak to our listeners as we're in the middle of a pandemic. Well, John, I was being mindful last night. And I was telling Kent how, like, I feel like I can breathe so much better. Obviously, I don't mean literally, but like... Um, never in my life have I had weeks where I'm like, wow, we don't uh, have anything to do tonight. And the, that building up over this many months has been like truly life-changing. I'm not trying to be funny. Like I have been a person who has never had boundaries, mainly with people of like, oh, this person wants me to do this and this and this. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. Like I'd love to, cause I'm, highly extroverted it never felt costly to me um but the more people I add to my family (laughs) I realize it was and so that's what I mean of like for me it's normally been people um currently I I mean for me I really struggle at the end of the day like normally our days are busy with children maybe not outside our home but my day is busy in that way, and it is really hard for me to choose something intentional over television. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm, like, doing a project in front of the TV or, like, actually paying attention to the TV or looking at my phone in front of the TV. That is always what feels good to me at the end of the day. To be like, whew, I'm done with today. Like, I'm going to listen or zone out to a dumb TV show. And it's never something that I'm, like, really checked into. It's like I've watched The Office 10,000 times. Like, you know, it's like uh, – it's I always equate it to, like, a bag of Cheetos. It's like – it's not really that good, but it tastes good the first few bites that you have. But it's never fulfilling. And so, like, you feel like yeah. you need one more. Yeah. Um, and so, for me, it would definitely be – I would say television over just like general technology, like sure my phone, but like that in itself is a choice. I feel like I make to not be intentional. You know, it's like, ugh, I don't want to sit around and like think about the day. I don't want to, I I like made this rule for myself. Like it's really hard for me to do my quiet time at night because I'm so fried. I'm like, yes, (laughs) but like (laughs) that's true. 
But a long time ago, I had to make a decision when my kids take naps. Like, that would be a time. I'm like, that's like two hours of, like, good time I could do something with. But, like, the fallacy of I just need to I just need to rest and watch a TV show, <laughs> you know, and then coming to grips with myself of, like, that's not actually restful. Yeah. And so I think for me, I'm like answering the question now of like, what is restful and realizing that like, for me, restful, the lie that I would believe is that it's really restful to lay in my bed and watch a dumb TV show for way too long. Yeah. We're not talking like, oh, I watched one show yeah. and now that bucket is filled. It's like, well, well now it's midnight yeah. and I'm exhausted. And yeah. why did I do that? So that was a very long answer. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I recently... Uh, decided to get rid of all the apps on my phone, except oh, yeah, wow. except for um, texting and phone and uh, what was um, maps, yeah, and music. Sorry, music, music. I never cut out music. Uh, <laughs> let's be real. Uh, I'm trying to be realistic with myself, and I'm still in it. And uh, how's it gone? Um, it's been really boring. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest and, uh, it's been hard to, to sit in that like limitation of like, I need, you know, I am watching a show on Hulu, which still has commercials <laughs> and it's the same. I don't mind commercials, but when it's the uh, same commercial yes. every single break, <laughs> like the Santa Claus climbing down the ladder <laughs> And it's, you know, some sort of car commercial. <laughs> yes. And I'm just like, I need something, you know. And it's not long enough to strike up a conversation yes. with Carrie. You know, it's like you have four minutes. And, you know, you can you can go to the bathroom. You can get a drink of water. But you can't do that every single break. Right, because they come so much. Yes. <laughs> so, like, normally your go-to is like, let me just scroll Instagram. Let me just, like, hop onto YouTube. Let me just do whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've taken that away. And it's wow. been grueling, I must be honest, <laughs> like grueling to sit there like, well, I have opened up my text <laughs> message app. Every <laughs> Nobody's texted me. And uh, I've, I will say I've been better at responding to texts because like <laughs> I have nothing to else to do. do on my phone. <laughs> and uh, I also find myself in a panic. Like, why mm. am I not getting more notifications? <laughs> like early so on, like the first week of it, I was like, oh, this is so <laughs> weird. Like. I'm so lame. Nobody likes me. You know, I don't <laughs> get any emails, like all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, wait, I took all my apps off. Like, this is weird. It also made me think, like, why do I have such a nice phone if I'm only going to use these apps? So I would say it's been an equal mm. moment of, like, freedom, uh, but also, like, really hard. Like, early on, it's like, this is hard. But, like, I, I made it doable because I physically limited myself. Mm. Like, I don't have a choice um, in this. I can't just, like, scroll through maybe the, the locked, quote-unquote, locked version of my <laughs> apps and unlock it for a moment and open it up. It's like, no, I would literally have to re-download this app, figure out my password for all these oh, things, which, you know. That's another beast. Yeah. And then I have to re-find like, my emails, you know, all this stuff. So uh, I've made it really, really hard, and I've limited myself. Um, and this, that actually came out of one of the conversations we had. I'm like, whoa, like I'm super distracted, like all the time. Mm-hmm. And I do it like in any given moment. I see students do it all the time. Like, every split second, let me do something to distract myself. Make sure I never feel bored, always feel some sort of gratification in doing something all the time. So what's been your biggest takeaway? Like, how, are you far enough into it to be like, 
oh, I really love this, or it's really I stand by what I said on episode one, that smartphones are stupid. Like, they don't need to exist. Have I missed out on anything? Nope. Have I missed a few emails? Not more than normal. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have not missed out on anything, because I'm still accessible. Sure. But it's through the normal normal means of conversation, rather than... You know, I don't need to see who's doing what on, you know, this piece. I've never been super into social media, but uh, just everything else. Because uh, I can find myself just, like, spending hours on YouTube or whatever it may be. Um, so I've gotten rid of it. And there's um, – I'm still sitting in the awkward stages. And it's been a couple of weeks. And be like, oh, what do I do at this time? This is so weird. Uh, so what do you do at that time? I think it points me back to my head or it points me to the person sitting in the room. Uh, who's also on their phone, but like, hey, can you talk to me? Because I have nothing to do on my phone right now. (laughs) And how healthy is that? Like, that's good. I can't believe we've come to this point in society that that is, like, what we have to do. But I know I'm not not alone in that. You are not alone. Yeah. 100% you're not alone. Yes. So what it does is it redirects when we limit properly and limit in healthy ways. Mm -hmm. It redirects us to the healthier things. Mm -hmm. So if, if the people, uh, God's people, um, if they would have never crossed paths with um, other people, uh, they wouldn't have been necessarily tempted to, to become like those people. Obviously, they had other issues when they were out in the desert. They had nobody surrounding them, and they still had issues with God, but we don't need to go into that. <laughs> but that when, if you would have limited their exposure, um, that, that says that would have helped. That being said, and I want to be very careful, just cutting something out doesn't fix the problem. Right. And we're going to get deep into that. Like just getting rid of something is not mm-hmm. helping, but it definitely or it doesn't solve it. It definitely helps in the step of the process. It gives you an opportunity to redirect. Mm-hmm. If I limit, I have to point this energy, this boredom somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and the key is putting the right thing in front of you and, and pursuing the right thing in those moments when we limit ourselves. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll just give you a little bit of encouragement for everybody as if you're struggling <laughs> with your cell phone and, you know, like technology, I will say it's okay to not be reachable all the time. Like, it's okay. And it's okay not to be able to reach somebody else all the time. And it's hard to think about that, but most of human society, that has not been the case. (laughs) And clearly, humans have survived. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. Uh, Some people would say we wouldn't thrive if we weren't that way. But we've we've obviously seen issues that have come from this. And are we thriving because we're reachable all the time? I don't think we are, and I think it's okay for us to say, my phone's away for this time, this hour, at nighttime, during homework time, during study time, during family time. Like, it's not even, like, accessible. Uh, It's up on the roof. Like, I have to, like, get out a ladder and crawl (laughs) up onto my roof and go get it. Like, it's hard. (laughs) Yeah? Yes. I just want to say that, like, outright. Like, it's okay, Mm -hmm. and I know a lot of us struggle with that, and... Um, if it's not there, we're less likely to be tempted. Absolutely. Start there. Start with limiting there. It, again, it's not going to solve everything, but it's a start with something. So 
And uh, this, this was actually super fascinating. Uh, this is some, uh, a study that came out uh, about uh, adolescent brains and limitations. And this is what they, they came up with. This is a quote. Um, inf- information attained, like attained, like given, um, does not equal gain. So just because we have doesn't mean we've gained something from it. Oh, I definitely feel that uh, painfully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think about that with social media. Yeah. It's like I'll waste an hour and then I won't remember anything that I looked at yeah. the next day. Yeah. So it's um, you have to think about that in a lot of contexts. Just because you have more doesn't mean you, you have more. Totally. Um, or you haven't gained anything. Just mm-hmm. You know, there's a certain point where Jeff Bezos, like, uh, acquired – enough money to be the wealthiest man in the world <laughs> and then like kept going um at what point like do you keep going um and that's like the issue with money and all that and it's like you're never going to be satisfied because there's you can literally just print print it and put another zero <laughs> on the screen or whatever it's it that does not uh, they don't equal uh, each other so limiting or limitations are uh can be a really good thing. And setting up those boundaries and those parameters, saying, like, what is enough? What Like, defining that stuff uh, for yourself. Like, what is enough? What can I just, what are the bare bones of what I need in life? And working from there. Um, and they, they go on. Um, it's talking about adolescence. It is critical that developing minds, like they are um, in the teenage years, Build cognitive control abilities that allow them to engage flexibly in dynamic and challenging environments. Say that again. Okay. That was a lot. I had to think about this several times. It is critical that developing minds build cognitive control abilities that allow them to engage flexibly in dynamic and challenging environments. So what that's actually saying is, let's, let's put it into like normal terms. A teenager needs to be able to limit themselves on any given moment by themselves. They need to have mm. the ability to say no and to say yes in the right scenarios. They need to be able to build their own boundaries on their own. So if we take away their phone or if we take away their car, in the moment, for that one second, it's helpful. But if we don't follow up with steps and a process for them to limit themselves, it's never going to help. Mm. So the the whole conversation of like, do teenagers need to have cell phones? Um, and when do we take away cell phones? And I've uh, like, you know, Susan knows this. We've talked about this for years of like, what do we like? Do we allow kids to have cell phones at youth group? All this type of stuff is that we it's not necessarily on certain entities, but we need to cultivate um, opportunities for students to say no on their on themselves. We, they need to say, like, this is more valuable than that, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say no. Um, and if we don't teach them that in the, the developmental stages, in the adolescent stages, or even earlier than that, uh, they're not going to know how to break that habit. It's just going to be a habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like I said, the, although our brain is plastic always, it becomes less plastic as we get a little bit older, so it's going to be a lot harder to break that habit. Um, They're not going to know how to limit unless we teach them habits of of limiting, Uh, so showing value in the right direction uh, of of things. Mm -hmm. So um, parents and youth workers and 
teachers, we're not necessarily here to just, you know, hold our child's hands all the way through until they graduate. It's to slowly wean them off to, to the point to where they are self-sufficient as adult humans um, to be able to navigate in this world. And as Christians, we want to say the best avenue, the most flourishing avenue in this life is a relationship with Jesus. So learning um, to or teaching our, our students to, to follow the path of Jesus and limiting the ways of the world on their own. Uh, there's a, some points, because they are children, where we need to say, no, like you can't do this. But we, at the same time, have to teach them to do it on their own. So it's a, it's a balancing act mm-hmm. uh, of those two things. Now, adults, like we should be a little bit better than that um, in certain scenarios, but we still struggle with it. Mm-hmm. It's still really hard to, to limit ourselves. So I, I take that um, to, to heart mm-hmm. um, and with everything, with every issue that we come across with teenagers, like I just, I just don't want you to feel this pain, so I'm going to take it away from you. Um, what we need to do is develop healthy coping mechanisms. Um, when things are hard or things are difficult, um, don't just get rid of the anxious moment. Help them deal with it in a healthy way. Um, don't take them off the stage because they don't want to perform. Like, how can you get through this even though it is an anxious moment? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you don't want to put them in life-threatening situations, but um, anxiety is a healthy thing to experience as a teenager mm-hmm. um, when it's paired with right coping mechanisms and right limitations put on them and helping them do it on their own. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a lot. I was trying to think of that. It's a term from educational ministries that talks about how, I don't remember what it's actually called, but it's about how you learn things yeah. by ex- like learning it yourself. Like it, you actually like your brain is wired to learn something better. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like we would, they would explain something like a a term disequilibrium, but they, I remember our professor would talk, they would teach from the back of the class Mm -hmm. because it was really confusing. (laughs) Like, why are you teaching from the back of the class? But they were teaching something, but they were teaching it by doing it. And I was just thinking about that. Like what you're saying is so important of like, if we're always rescuing, always coming in, always like, alleviating the thing that is the hardship our students aren't actually learning that let's like we have to walk alongside them and say like we're going to take this phone away but what are we going to fill this time with and why is this going to feel either good or hard or, you know like being even mindful in those moments of how to walk through what you're feeling or what you're addicted to like that's really helpful instead yeah. of just saying like this is bad put it away like yeah um which when we don't give ourselves the time to do it, that's just that's just what we revert to. So yeah. anyways, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. But this is really helpful. Yeah. It's very challenging. So um, that that's think and limit. Um, think and limit. It seems like, like the easiest stuff, but it is. Whew, that's a doozy, John. It's hard. Like, I, light. I, I was telling you, I was sitting there in this content <gasps> thinking like, uh, this is really good and really rich, but I have to think Hard. a lot about this thinking <laughs> thing and I have to like <laughs> limit better and like sit in the limitations. Like I'm still <laughs> sitting in the pain of limiting myself. Oh. Like even limiting like the f- idea of like, I have this $600 phone and I'm not utilizing it. Now I feel like I'm wasting this. Like Flip phone. Let's go. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. We'll pick back up uh, with episode four. Can't wait. Yeah. The final two steps in the final episode of this four-part series. Good luck to us. I hope they're easier than, than this one. This one's hard. They're not. Think. Oh, they're not. Oh. Well, all right. I'm, I'm intrigued. We'll see y'all soon. See you soon.